Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And that's not Dimity in Denver. She is taking some much-needed R&R after the big push to finish our third book and to run Ragnar. So instead, I'm joined by Christine Hinton, who is a mom of two in Maryland, and she is the brilliant running coach who designed all the plans, all the running plans in Train Like a Mother, as well as the plans for our challenges. So welcome, Christine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And um, for people who want to kind of read up on you, they can uh, find you at your website, therunningcoach.com. Yes. Yeah, great. So you are um, headed out to a friend's wedding. So you're very sweet to take some time to um, talk to us today. And um, so, you know, I got to say, while we're on the topic of marriage, um, you know, is it okay that we talk about your marital situation? Because I think it's something that um, some of our listening audience could relate to. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you want to kind of fill, you know, give a little snippet of what's going on? Yeah. um, You know, like, like many couples, unfortunately, these days, um, the last couple of years been having some, some issues with my marriage and, uh, my my ex-husband and I have been through um, a lot of counseling and trying to work things out. Um, but last spring, we pretty much decided that um, that we needed to go ahead and separate. Mm. So that's where we're at right now. We're separated, and um, you know that will be the, the case for probably about the next year, mm-hmm. and then we'll proceed with with a divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and. Um... I have to say, I, when you told Dimity and I in email, my heart just went out to you because I also was, um, uh, you know, kind of sprung upon with an unexpected divorce or, or a situation I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. So, so um, you know, I really can relate to you. With, that was with my first marriage. And so, I mean, how I know that when, when my first husband told me that he wanted out, I really turned to exercise to, yes. to, you know, to try to get through it. And, and honestly, to, to fill some of the time, I didn't have any kids from that first marriage. So, um, so maybe talk a little bit about how, how you've been dealing with, um, the stress of it all and the sadness mm-hmm. and the, the, that type of stuff. Well, I mean, at any time there's a, a broken marriage, you're dealing with a lot of loss and especially for, uh, in situations like you and I, where we didn't necessarily want that or, or it got sprung upon us, um, without, us really being aware of what was happening, mm-hmm. um, it really makes the loss that much harder. So I, for me, this, with this particular loss, I've been able to really challenge, um, challenge, uh, channel my, my aggression, my anger, mm-hmm. my fears, everything into training. Mm-hmm. Now I will say, you know, a year ago when he did tell me he wanted to leave me, I had been training for a marathon and, uh, 
and it went downhill. I ended up having, I've never not finished a race in my entire life. And, uh, after I hit the halfway mark, I, I, I couldn't do it. I just started sobbing, crying oh. and, uh, yeah. And I was done. So I, so I oh. called it a day. Oh, Christine, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. I, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, and I also want to, I also want to say thank you for sharing this. So I, yes, yes. Yeah. And, 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 and I think what's been nice too, is there's definitely a community of women out there that are willing to support each other mm-hmm. and, um, and running is a great, I can't tell you how many races and, and, um, events that I've done now where I've met other women, um, in similar situations and I'm running along, you know, racing with them. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden it comes up and, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people can sympathize. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing. So my first divorce, um, sort of, it was a kind of a, sounds like yours in terms of that it was um, not something that was over really quickly. And so mine kind of started when I was 29 and I guess ended when I was about 31. And, you know, at the time I just felt so alone. I just thought, oh, this is, I'm the only person going through this. You know, all my other friends are, you know, either happily married or getting engaged or something like that. And, and just knowing that other people are going through it is, was really, you know, empowering and that, and, and it just made me feel less unsure of myself and less like a Mm -hmm. failure as it were. And that, that since then, my goodness, I, you know, on our Ragnar race, um, a couple weeks ago, you know, I mentioned something about my first husband. Sometimes that's kind of like dropping a lead balloon. And, (laughs) and, you know, there were two women, this was before we started, they were like, oh yeah, you know, I'm divorced too. Or, you know, this is my second marriage too. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I stupidly thought, well, you don't look like you're divorced. (laughs) <laughs> there might be a certain look, you know. <laughs> a little shell shock for a while, but but you know, yeah. it's not like you know. Then yeah. you're you're branded with a scarlet D on your running right. but you shirt. But you feel that way initially. Yeah. You you feel like there's yeah, you've got like the scarlet A or something on your yeah because yeah. uh, you feel like you're yes. But and and I will say with the running, you know, um, for the ladies out there that are going through something similar to, mm-hmm. it, it can go either way. You can feel really good about your running and feel a lot of energy that you can put into it to work out your aggressions, but. I've also seen the the flip side happen where all you want to do is, you know, mm-hmm. not run and stay in bed and eat a pint of ice cream and, and grieving is so individual. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, use the running in a way that, that works for you and don't, don't feel that if you can't run or don't want to run that that's necessarily a, mm-hmm. a bad thing. That could be a really good thing. You might right. need to rest. Right, right, right. Yeah. So for for me, I kind of went the other direction. That's when I, that's when my streak started. Um, my, mm. my exercise everyday streak. Um, mm. and so, um, which I wrote about, I guess, in run like a mother. Yes. In the, um, um, overtraining section and so, or exercise addiction chapter, I guess it was. And so, um, you know, it was just, like I said, I had a lot of time to fill cause I didn't have kids and I was just, I was lonely. I was a kind of young, um, separated person out in the suburbs. And, you know, like I said, felt very much like I was the only person going through that. So, um, yeah. you know, cause I, I sometimes also think it is partly where you are, you know, and, and I know that some, my best friend, um, who now lives in Brooklyn, um, she, at the time that her husband left her, she was, um, she has a daughter and she was living in, um, suburban, um, uh, Philadelphia, outside Philadelphia, in mm-hmm. a town called Wynwood, and she just was like, "Oh my gosh, there are all the other moms at school are married. I'm the only mm-hmm. divorced person, and you know, so um, I don't know. So remembering that that you know your situation is is you know while every situation is unique, you're not the only one who's going through um, a right. troubling time in the marriage, right? And right. Um, you know, and that 
you know, there, there are happier times ahead and, and um, keep moving forward and, and reaching them. So, um, so, but this year you had um, uh, great success with a race that you did. You completed your first 100-kilometer race. I did. Yeah. I did just recently, last yeah. month. So, yes, it was very, very exciting. I trained my butt off for it. and uh, <laughs> You're now flat butt, Christine. <laughs> I am now flat butted. Um, yeah, and it was it was fantastic. It was a heck of an experience. Um, I, you know, it was the first, I've done a couple of 50s, but this was my first uh, event of anything longer than that. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was something. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Did you have somebody pace you? I did not, you know, mm-hmm. I have not. And, and I'm thinking about a hundred kilometers is where it might be a good idea <laughs> to have somebody out there. I completely went, I met a couple of friends up there that were each doing, um, either the hundred K or the hundred miler. Mm-hmm. And so we, we all just supported ourselves pretty much, mm-hmm. but they had, they had, you know, eight stations about every six to eight miles. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, every couple of hours you'd run into, into some people. <laughs> um, where And for those of you who um, maybe aren't so up on your miles to kilometer conversion, that is about 62 miles. Is that right? Yes. Well, it's 62.2. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> let's um, not forget that point too. Uh-huh. Yes, it mattered. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a heck of a way. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a long way. <laughs> uh-huh. and, wh- and where was it? And what was the terrain like? It was, um, well, one of the reasons I chose it is because it's kind of considered one of the easier oh, ultras. Good it's, move. Um, good move. I, I support yes. that choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Wellsboro. I want in Pennsylvania, but oh. I wanted it to be about the distance and not so much about the terrain because ultras can often be much more about, um, you know, tough, tough terrain and mm-hmm. trails and very technical stuff. And mm-hmm. I figured when I was trying to tackle this distance for the first time, I would wanted it to be more about the distance than, uh, than the surface. Um, so yes, it was, it was like a gravel, um, dirt path that was very wide mm. right along, um, the water. Yeah, it was beautiful. And oh it was, you know, for the most part, very, very flat. Oh, um, smart, smart woman, yeah. Christine. I, uh, <laughs> Cause, uh, you know, last year when I thought my speed had all, uh, you know, gotten up and left the building, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to switch to ultras. And I was like, where can I find an ultra that's not at, you know, like 10,000 foot elevation that doesn't have huge boulders and that doesn't have, you know, you know, thousands of feet of elevation changes. And, uh, so Pennsylvania, yeah, because <laughs> um, because I did find I was thinking about the North Face one, which is a whole series. Um, yes, and the one that's in the um, Marin County, and so I was like, oh, look at that! You know, it's right by the water sometimes, so that must mean it's sea level. And then Dimity looked at the elevation map. She was like, um, Sarah, you said that has several thousand feet of elevation yes. change, right? <laughs> I was like, oh. Well, that's just it. Yeah, ultras. The the distance is only half the battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then one one um, member of the AMR community then has sent me a couple emails about this ultra that is um, right along Lake Michigan, and so it's ah. pa- it's paved and it's you know at what elevation like seven, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that's oh, what, yeah. okay, I think I need a little change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being flat for too long can be can offer its own challenges. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so but my upcoming marathon is um, yeah. fairly fairly flat to rolling in Victoria, British Columbia which um, some of that is along the waterfront. So that has to be at, you know, I don't know. And how many weeks out are you now? Uh, I, it, it is 11 days away as I record this. Ooh, down to days. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I guess officially in the taper and 
I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really, really good. Um, awesome. Yeah. And, and just the smallest of things, you know, I, I am an optimist and I can find, I can put a positive spin on pretty much anything. And so, um, you know, much to the chagrin of some people. And so I, uh, um, I don't know, just, just like I had, um, I have often, my coaches had me run. It's exactly two miles from my house to the place where I take, um, a bar inspired class. And so she's had, um, me run there and then run home. And oftentimes it's, she'll have me do a little something on the way back, a little something, something speed work wise. Mm -hmm. And, um, yesterday she had me do on the way back, I was supposed to get up to, uh, within the first mile build up to eight fifty to nine minute pace. And then, um, drop down for the second mile, drop, drop up, maybe, um, go up to a nine thirty ish pace, um, for the second mile. And I was just feeling so good that I was having really, I was more like eight twenty five, And then I don't know, nine for the second one. I kept thinking, slow down, slow down. So I switched from listening to music to NPR. I'm like, oh, that'll slow me down. <laughs> Listen to Steve Inskeep talk about something, you know, and I'm like. And this was after a bar class? And after running two miles there. And so, and my, wow. I had had a tough run on Sunday and then um, was feeling, Monday was the first day that I actually felt kind of a little sore and had to run on Monday. And so then Monday night, I was, I almost texted my coach to be like, Hey, you know, legs aren't feeling so peppy. Maybe, maybe I just, you know, catch a ride with Molly to bar class. And I did not do that. And so, I mean, I was just elated when I got home. It was just crazy. So, um, you know, I'll take anything as a positive sign that October 12th is going to turn out well. So, um, but anyway, all this talk of tapering and, and talk of races leads right into our topic for today, which is um, tapering and racing. And um, something new for us, we now have our Google Voice number, and we had people from the AMR community call in with their questions. So we aren't quite live like click and clack, so we can't, <laughs> you and I can't quite respond to them in real time. But um, we had them call in, and so we're going to um, – our producer's going to play the um, their questions. And I will say that um, most of the people say – you know, thought that Dimity would be on the show. So there's some salutations to, to me and Dimity. So, but I know they – in their heart, they're saying hi to you too, Christine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so let's, go, let's go to our first caller. Hi, ladies. This is Shannon. I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I will be running the Chicago Marathon on October 12th. Getting excited. Um, I just have one um, question for you all. Um, what type of nutritional preparation do you guys typically do the week before your big races? Any sort of hints or um, advice you can give me? I would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I got to say I have been thinking about that even this week. Like mm -hmm. Before I drove down here to the studio to record the podcast, I'm like, oh, I got to finish that noon that I started earlier because, you know, it's all, I'm all putting all this stuff in the tank waiting for, I, I realize it'll be long down the sewer before October 12th, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, That's I, funny. but I mean, um, kind of how much, um, you know, so, okay. So, uh, her Chicago marathons on the same day as my race. So, I mean, maybe 11 days out is a little premature, but probably, you know, yeah. probably, but yeah. that's okay. You're, you're setting up a good habit to, you oh, know, you. continue yeah. into the next week. <laughs> uh, right, right. So, I mean, how, how many days ahead should you be carb loading? And, and I, you know, Dimity writes about it. She, she wrote really well about it and train like a mother. And she talks about how, you know, the, in the day or two beforehand, that's the time to really eat white. 
So, you know, it's the potatoes, the white bread, the bagels, pretzels, rice, that sort of thing. But, you know, so in the, in the day, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, though, what, what do you think we should be doing? Right. Well, I think, I think you're right. Um, I know, uh, way back when you would, you would try to carbo load for five days, which is, which is too much. We know now that, you know, two or three days max is, is all you need. And, and that's even, um, you know, if you're not a typical carb eater, mm. you don't even need to really carb load that much. Um, oh. getting some cards in. Yeah. If you're, if you're typically, you know, if you're eating like a paleo or, or, mm. or some sort of a diet that doesn't have a lot of carbs in it, you don't need to pile on a ton of carbs. Um, towards the race, just because your body's already used to not having, um, as much, but yeah, you know, usually what I tell people to do is about five days ahead of time is when you really start thinking about your fluids, Mm -hmm. um, and really start topping off your fluids, um, drinking an extra couple glasses of water a day. You're going to be going to the bathroom a lot, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you want to make sure you're topping off that tank. Um, Uh and, and, uh, and also, you know, and then, and then with the last couple of days is when you want to start doing what you mentioned, you know, a lot of the white, easily digestible, type of carbs. Um, and you might gain a couple pounds and that's, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That right. means that you're really, you're filling yourself up with reserves so that you'll be ready on race day. Cause also, cause all those carbs hold more fluid than, yes. than protein does. So part of that weight gain would be fluid. Right. Right. Cause I know a lot of women will start freaking out because all of a sudden they see the scale go up right before the race, two or three pounds. Um, but that's completely normal and you'll lose it again afterwards. That's so funny. I keep, um, we don't have a scale in our house and I, um, I'm thinking, okay, where can I find a scale? Where can I go just kind of surreptitiously jump on it? Cause I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel, I feel like maybe I've lost a pound or two during training and, um, mm-hmm. I realized that's not a lot, but you know, there's studies that show that, you know, you can go a little faster if you're not carrying weight. And I have, I have a lot of extra weight to carry. So any, any pound or two, I'll take it. So. Yeah, well, but there's a fine line there. You don't want to lose so much that you lose the energy with it. I oh, think you're. Oh, babe, I am. I am a professional eater, <laughs> so there's there's no fear of uh, me starving myself at any point. <laughs> That's one of the joys of running is being able to eat. Sure, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, let's uh, move on to our next question. Hey, Serendipity. It's Laura from St. Louis, and I'm getting ready to run the Great Go St. Louis Halloween Half in the middle of October. I just had a general tapering question for you guys. I really struggle with um, mentally overcoming the taper mode. I feel like much like my academic days, I'm always cramming at the last minute, whether it's for a test or for a race, and I really struggle with cutting back on the mileage leading up to a race. And I just wondered if you had any tips on how to overcome that mental barrier. Um, you know, you have that itch to go for a long run, but you know you shouldn't. Um, just wondered what your thoughts were. Thank you both very much. Thanks. Bye. Great. And that, that question, we got another one from Laurel, who's in Toronto, who is about to undertake her first marathon. And she had a similar question telling us, every time I hear the word marathon, I start to feel crazy. <laughs> so um, I got to say... Um, you know, um, I am, I am in taper mode. I, 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 I don't know. I just really trust that the training plan is correct and that I'm a rule follower. So if it says, you know, run three miles with a little, you know, four strides at the end, that's, that's what I do. Um, but I mean, I guess coach Christine, how do we get people to trust in their training and to know that, you know, that they can't, you know, shove any more, into this, you know, loaf that they're baking during, during the taper mode, right, you know? Right, right, right. Well, you know, and the, the key with, uh, 
properly tapering is knowing that at this point, there's not a whole lot more you can do to give yourself a better race. The hay is in the barn, I always say. Mm-hmm. However, tapering is a perfect time to really mess up <laughs> your training. <laughs> you can so, only do harm, not good at this point. That, it's true. It's absolutely true. Um, so a lot of times it's just about talking yourself off the ledge mm-hmm. and intellectually knowing that although you're, you're – your muscles are screaming to go for that run or to pick up the pace when you're not supposed to. You just have to know that that every athlete tapers before big events. Um, All elite athletes do it and, and we do it because it works. Mm -hmm. Um, So just mentally wrapping your head around that and knowing that, like you said, trust in the training plan, know that the work at this point is done. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's time to kind of, rest up, let your muscles fully recover again. You're not going to lose any fitness. You're resting so that you can toe the line in a nice energetic fashion. Now that said, some people during, during tapers will sometimes feel, um, more sluggish, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, and then they start to worry. They're like, Oh my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm losing my fitness. And there again, that's kind of a normal, normal feeling that, that, uh, can happen. But usually by race day, your adrenaline's pumping and you're, you feel right back to normal again. Because mm-hmm. I know that when I'm training and, you know, let's say had some big rate runs, you know, like, a, I don't know, 21 miler or 19 miler or something like that, and that I was able to nail the paces that had been lined out for me, but they weren't, you know, maybe they weren't quite marathon pace. And I just sometimes think, oh, you know, if I, if that felt really hard to me, then I'm not going to be able to do it on race day. It's like, yeah, you got to remind yourself that you were doing all those training runs on tired legs. And right. so the taper is the time for for your legs to and the rest of your body, your core and everything to to get energized, to build up, you know, make the muscles primed and to just be able to really, you know, go when the, when the gun goes off. So right, I, right. I, for, for me, that's what used to be part of what would happen during taper. I think, well, you know, I didn't do that 18 miler exactly at, at marathon pace. So how will I be able to do it on marathon day? It's like, oh yeah, I was coming off weeks and weeks and weeks of hard training with maybe a right. rest day once a week. So that, right. you know, so now that it's the, the rest is, um, you know, really building up your reserves and, and, um, just... and you're allowing the, yeah, you're allowing the training to kind of soak in is mm-hmm. the visual that I, mm-hmm. that I tried to give. And, and, and you're right. I mean, there's going to be times where you're feeling a little antsy and that might be, uh, you know, during that two or depending on what you're tapering for the, the one to four week period, mm-hmm. maybe pick up a little hobby or something. Oh, I know. I know. I am. I, uh, or read a book or or chat, you know, catch up with friends that have been neglected during your marathon. Right. right. Oh, there's that. There's that for sure. Yeah. And so I, um, I, uh, have, um, taken up my needle pointing with, with renewed vigor this week. There you go. Um, See, that's perfect. That's perfect. And you know, a lot of times what I'll do is any kind of work that I have, I'll try to get ahead of it Mm -hmm. so that you can enjoy the lot, you know, the couple of days after your marathon without having to worry about diving back into doing a ton of work. So, yeah. So there's other places you can kind of channel your, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say energy because you want to keep your energy, but you can channel that time that you have that's, that's Mm -hmm. available now that wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Before we go to our next question, let's hear from our sponsor. Hi, this is Molly from Portland, Oregon. I'm Sarah's best running buddy and mother of three girls, my oldest of which will be running the Victoria Marathon with us very soon. 
I love running with Sarah. We have a great time. We chat about all sorts of things. But when I can't run with Sarah, I oftentimes listen to audiobooks. And right now I'm listening to Outlander by Diana Gabelton. I'm really enjoying this book. It's a good one to listen to while I'm running because I can be hot and sweaty and my heart pounding and nobody thinks anything of it. You can listen to Outlander. Uh, which I downloaded from Audible.com, a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles. Or you can listen to anything you like. For a free downloadable audiobook of your choice, go to audible.com slash mother. Again, that's audible.com slash mother. And welcome back to another Mother Runner. I'm here with Christine Hinton. And let's go on with our next question. Hi, this is Kim calling from Zurich, Switzerland, and I'm thinking of doing my second half marathon. And my question is, what kind of mental training do you do before a big race? And how do you build the kind of mental toughness that will push you through the low points in a race and get you to the finish line? Thanks. Well, that's an easy one. You read the mental t- the brilliant mental toughness chapter and run like a mother. Done. There you go. Next question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is that that chapter stands uh, has a special record. I ha- do have to say this that that was the one that went through the most edits to get into the book. Oh wow. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, and I, I wrote it. So Dimity um, really helped me a lot on that one, and I'm very proud when I when we would do um, way back in the day when we would do readings of just run like a mother. That was the um, chapter that I would read part of, but. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as, as you can attest, Christine, to me, the mental training, you know, I, I can, I'll be doing some in the next couple of days, but really it's the, the mental toughness that you get from the training runs that you do, you know, that, yes. that yes, while a hill repeat, while hill repeats or intervals are, you know, building more fast switch fibers in your quads, it's also building, you know, mental toughness in your brain cells. Right, right. It goes hand in hand for sure. I think as you complete tough workouts, then you you know, just in your brain, you suddenly think, ha, huh, you know, I, I can run that 20 mile or I can run eight quarter mile hill repeats or mm-hmm. yeah, you're, and your brain starts to get it. Um, yeah. So I think that doing race simulation in your training mm-hmm. is also good for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to be prepared for the race, um, and the train and the, and the hills and any other kind of things can also develop mental toughness while you're training and then transfer it over and onto race day. Um, but I also think it's important during the entire training process, uh, not to just wait till the last couple of weeks before the race to start doing things like visualization or positive affirmations. I think it's a good idea to kind of have that, in your back pocket throughout the entire training cycle. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to do, you know, visualize about your three mile easy run the next day, (laughs) but you know, if you've got a challenging run coming up or you do have a a long run, um, coming up, it might make sense to, in the days coming up, start to practice the skill of visualizing it. Mm. Um, because as your brain sees it, it, it's real to your brain. So mm-hmm. if you visualize doing that long run or, or hard workout, your brain is is being fed that it's capable of doing that. Well, that's intriguing because I did um, my, that 21 plus miler training run on the same um, course that I did uh, 19. And it's a, a part of Portland I don't run in all that much. But so it's interesting because before the, the 21 miler, I was able to be like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, down near that max station is where it kind of goes uphill and then it kind of flattens out. So, you know, that type of stuff. So that's 
I didn't realize that I was, I was, yeah, no, it's per, and that's, and that's the perfect way to do it is, is see yourself at different uh, points and then also visualize things going really great. Visualize Mm -hmm. you feeling good, visualize you being on pace. Mm -hmm. And then on the same hand though, you also want to sometimes visualize things going wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you successfully handling it, you know, Mm -hmm. or whether, or we're odd weather conditions, if it's raining, you know, visualize how will you handle that? Mm -hmm. You kind of want to take care of any potential problems in your mind Mm -hmm. during training Mm -hmm. so that race day, nothing is, there's no surprises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I mean, I also find since, since it sounds like, um, you know, we know some people's races might be coming up soon that, that, you know, talking to people about your concerns, you know, voicing your concerns, having them, I know sometimes before I was trying to set, um, my personal record race, I talked to a lot of experienced runners and, and emailed with them and, you know, had some Facebook conversations with them from women from our, um, the AMR tribe, as a matter of fact, like um, this woman, Mary Broussard, who's in Louisiana, I, she just gave me tons of advice. She had run, you know, a fast marathon. And I, you know, talked to a lot of those people about, well, how do you face the pain? How do you mm. approach it and, and um, come to grips with it? And, and, you know, that I think part of it is um, just knowing that you're, that a race is going to, um, be more challenging than a training run and just hearing how other people deal with that helped me get my head in a good space in the, during the taper period as I was leading up to it. And then the other thing that I did that is completely uncharacteristic of me is I made kind of a vision board and, um, I, admire the heck out of scrapbookers, but I am not a crafty um, person who can make anything look any good. Except, you know, like, don't make me do. Well, you're going to have to post a picture of this vision board now. I want to see what it looks like. Oh, good. And I, uh, oh my goodness, my friend Joanne, actually, she's a teacher. Maybe I shouldn't admit this, but she laminated it for me. And it oh. is a massive, massive piece of poster board, you know, like the mm-hmm. typical, like, you know, hey kid, here's your school project about, you know, yeah. the, the life cycle. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. 
My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. ...of salmon, and... Uh... Or is that only projects that kids do here in Oregon? <laughs> um, um, how about the, the water cycle, you know, rain, right. <laughs> evaporation, condensation? Um, so so she laminated it for me. And, you know, I just went through some old issues of Runner's World and, mm-hmm. you know, some health and fitness magazines and cut out words that really resonated with me and images. And I brought that thing and the race was in Eugene, Oregon. And so I drove there. So, you know, I brought it down to the hotel and I laid it out the night before the race. And I looked at it that morning while I was, you know, eating my banana and oatmeal. And, um, you know, I did. I ended up setting my my existing PR. So, um, you know. Well, you know, and I think that stuff totally works because you're basically you were using positive affirmations Mm -hmm. in a way you you were collecting them you're putting them together you were then looking at them Mm -hmm. it was both pictures visual things all of that stimulates Mm -hmm. um your brain and and helps you to realize that yeah you know this is possible i can do this Mm -hmm. and it also helps banish the negative things and i think Mm -hmm. that's probably part of what kim's question is too is like you know once things start getting tough what happens all Mm -hmm. of a sudden your brain starts saying whoa 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 (laughs) why why are you doing this slow down slow down you don't have to run this hard walk you know take a break right and so it's it's realizing that a it's gonna hurt B, those negative voices are going to pop into your head, but you know that. So let's make a plan to kind of combat that. And that can be with the positive affirmations or practicing the visualization as the race uh, in the weeks that leading up to the race. Mm-hmm. Great advice. You're a, you're a good one there, Christine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Had my own mental challenges. So. Right, right. There's a reason we use you to, to put together our plans. <laughs> This is Nicole, and I'm calling from Holden, Massachusetts. I'm training to run the Philadelphia Marathon in November. Uh, this is my four, this will be my fourth marathon and my first non-Boston marathon. And I'm considering joining a pace team for this marathon. And I'm wondering um, what your opinions are on pace teams and how to choose the right one and whether they're a good idea. Thanks. Nice. And um, when I thought about using that question, I thought maybe it would be a chance for us to talk about pacing because I know a couple of people, including Jill from Albuquerque and Joe from St. Paul, had questions about how to pace. So um, I'm just going to come out and say that um, I'm I'm not a huge fan of pacers, of using professional I'm pacers. I'm glad you said that. Oh, I'm glad you're the one that said that. <laughs> oh, oh, so that the rotten tomatoes get thrown at me at the next race <laughs> instead of you. And That's I'm right. taller, so you'll hide behind me. Um, <laughs> um, so that, you know, I mean... I, I admire pacers. I think they do, um, you know, they do a hard task, but they, you know, if they're going to pull some, if they're the four hour pacer, I can do that because I know the math, you know, they have to br- bring their people with them, their runners in at, you know, running 909 or better miles. And so they start off at 909. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there is, and I know, you know, the older I get, the harder it is to start out right at marathon pace. And, you know, I, I got to ease into it. And so I do not, I would not want to be, if I was trying to go f- um, my fastest, I would not want to be with a pace team. If I was, you know, saying, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to use this as a training run or something, or I don't know, you know, that I, okay, I'm going to enjoy this one in the scenery. So I'm going to go with a slower pace group than I, 
know I'm capable of running, then, then I'd be maybe sidle up to the pacer. But, you know, if I'm trying to set my, my PR, I'm, I maybe would just try to, you know, let them go ahead a little bit and know that I need to reel them in by mile, you know, eight or 10 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. Um, I think they have a nice place in marathoning. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you're someone that, like you said, if you're using it kind of as a training run and you're not worried so much about your pace, but you would like to come in before 420 or whatever, Mm -hmm. then hanging with the pace group is fine, um, especially if you don't have any problems uh, keeping a consistent pace. Because that's, uh, too, like uh, like you just mentioned, that is part of the problem with the, the pace groups is that they do tend to aim for even splits. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some, you know, for a half marathon that, that might be doable, um, anything shorter, you know, that that's probably doable. But once you start getting into the marathon distance, typically, like you said, you want to start out a little sub pace and eventually work up to pace. And then maybe, you know, if you're feeling good at the end, go sub sub goal pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I agree with you in that. I, I think that, Um, if you you have a certain goal time, you need to kind of figure out what your personal paces are going to be, write them on your arm, you know, take a piece of laminated paper with you, something, and then try to hit those. And my guess is, is if you're trying to run four hours, like you said, you might not be with them the first half, but you know, you'll probably slowly be reeling them in and maybe pass them at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, and so by what you mean, um, so starting out a little slower so that you can ease into it, because I read somewhere that like, you know, kind of every, I don't know, second that you burn up, um, going too fast in the beginning, you'll like pay for with, you know, like two seconds at the end or something going slower than you want to that. Yeah. You know, most people make, and, and this is in every single race from 5k on up. It's just the amount of initial time that the mistakes are made is a little bit longer as you creep up in the distance, but mm-hmm. you there's always a potential for huge mistakes to be made that first, you know, 10 minutes of a race. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so you want to make sure you're holding yourself back, especially in a marathon situation where there's adrenaline, people Mm -hmm. are hooping and hollering (laughs) and, you know, and then if you feel like you need to jump into your pace right away, then all of a sudden you're weaving in and out of people and you're adding distance and energy's getting wasted, you know? So there's lots of, there's lots of reasons to just kind of chill out, Mm-hmm. sit back, let the first mile be whatever that first mile is going to be. Let the first couple miles be whatever it's going to be. And then once things start to open up, then you can start, um, reeling back in your pace. Um, but you can't panic, you know, a lot of times people panic early on and, and that's where they end up paying the price later. Okay. I was exceptionally quiet while I was listening to you because I was just trying to be able to replay this in my mind on October 12th when I'm up there in Victoria. I'm going to be like, Christine said not to panic. And... That's right. Don't panic. Don't panic. Deep breaths. Yeah. 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 Cause it... I mean, it's fun to be excited, but, but you know, and that's where you've got to take that excitement and kind of say, okay, I'm going to use a little bit of it now. <laughs> use a little bit of it mid run, you know, kind of store it up. Think of it as like a physical, you know, presence inside of you that you don't want to like blow out all your your energy in the first couple of miles of the race right. you want to make sure that you're conserving somebody and you know and the, and the funny thing is and and you've experienced this i'm sure is um you know the first few miles of a marathon you could be feel like you're running so slow and then all of a sudden you look down at your watch and you're like whoa you know you don't right. the speed catches up to you because you're so full of adrenaline yeah. so you have to really watch watch the watch and make sure that that you're not um, going faster than you think, because no matter how good you feel there, it it never fails to kind of come back and 
you pay the price a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you, and going back to that first question, you feel so good because you tapered. And so, right. that, you know, and suddenly you're like, whoa, I feel great. I'm going to run this eight minute pace the whole time. And like, <laughs> I remember Meanwhile, your race pace is like nine minute mile. And... <laughs> <laughs> but it feels good. Yeah. I remember Dimity did that at um, Rock and Roll Nashville. Um, we were there. Gosh, I don't know. Maybe that was 2011 or something. And oh, yeah, it was. It was um, uh, right around when um, William and Kate got married. And uh, <laughs> so Aww. I remember when I was there, I was like, I am going to wake up really early to watch that <laughs> wedding. And the alarm goes off. I'm like, yeah, screw the yeah. wedding. Uh. <laughs> so, so yes, indeed, it was 2011. And so I remember, so we were in this corral and it was lovely because there were so few people in the corral. So we didn't have to, mm. you know, weave through a whole bunch of people. And so I had been, it was my third half marathon um, in a fairly short amount of time. So I was pretty well trained and um dimity hadn't quite done the training and so she's like right there next to me and i'm like mm-hmm. wow that's awesome dim you're gonna hold this you know, like not 8 15 <laughs> pace the whole time she's like yeah sure <laughs> and, and so, how long did that last oh yeah till about uh, mile two or something <laughs> <laughs> poor dimity she's not here to defend herself <laughs> but you know i i say that i share that anecdote because it's one that she often shares when we give talks yeah. at races and yeah. uh because she'll always be like yeah and you look down you think yeah i can hold this pace even though I never saw it in training. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. that's not going to happen, you know? Right, right. But, you know, yeah. almost everybody has to actually experience it themselves. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> to really, you know, get that that uh, that nailed home to you. So Yeah. yeah. So, um, and our next question I have to uh, have, give a little prelude to, it um, also is an allusion to uh, an anecdote that Dimity has told once or twice on this podcast. So here we go with that question. Hi, this is Nancy in Richfield, Connecticut, and my question is, well, I'm doing New York Marathon this fall. Uh, it'll be my third marathon, marathon, but first time in New York, and I'm wondering what are some good mantras that you have to get you through miles 20 through 26.2? Um, thinking about using God Bless Central Park, but I'm not quite sure that's such a good mantra. Maybe it is, maybe not. What do you think? Thanks. I love that. That was that, that was Nancy from last year's our Ragnar team last year, and um, she's alluding to Dimity doing her first marathon and coming down the one side of Central Park and her her practice that line. That was her mantra. Yeah, you know, she she yelled, yelled out and she thought I'd get these huge left shields like God bless Central Park and it was like she let out this big gas like and everybody Aww. just was like wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's great. and it was pouring rain and so it wasn't mm-hmm. quite the um what she had um you know envisioned during her training so um so you know i am all about mantras and i mm-hmm. sometimes when we give talks at races we tell people you know to think of a mantra beforehand and you know i have a couple go-to marathon mantras but then i have to say that sometimes it's something that just hits me in the moment and, um, you know, um, like, I, like, for example, I was when I was doing, again, that long 21 miler. And first, I thought of one of our phrases from our t shirts, you know, I am stronger than I thought. Mm-hmm. And it's only six words. But when you're running, I'm like, blah, 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 too many words, too many words. Yeah. So I just shifted to strong, 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 strong. And um, perfect. You know, yeah, you know, a nice, um, emphatic yeah. word that has some meaning. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, the, you know, that's the thing that mantras are, it's a word or phrase that means something to you. Um, right. 
Yeah. So, I mean, what, what are some that have worked for you? Did you have one in your hundred? Well, I think, you know, and well, yeah, I had, I, had, I went through several, <laughs> but yeah, but like the God bless central park, you know, my first thought was, well, if it works for her, then, yeah. you know, it's the perfect mantra. So it's really, you know, I think outside the box, there might be things that, that you think, um, sound silly, mm-hmm. but they may end up being very motivating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have definitely have a couple go-to ones. Um, I have, yes, I can, mm-hmm. which I just repeat. Yes, I can. Yes, mm-hmm. I can. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also do light and swift when oh, I start good. to feel kind of, um, heavy and tired and uh-huh. slowing down. I, I repeat light and swift in my head. Oh, um, and then usually towards, you know, cause her question was specifically addressed to her, to that last 10 K of a marathon. Um, so I'm assuming she means when you're really feeling, <laughs> feeling it, um, a lot of times I'll say something like, um, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. Oh, that's um, good. yeah, something. So yeah, so those are my go-to ones. But again, just like you said, uh, sometimes I'll be running along and something will just kind of uh, strike me, um, as something that hits me for that particular run or that race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and sometimes too, I find, um, uh, not even just mantras, but for, for the, my hundred K what I did, and I, I should have written it down, but I tried to think of a friend, mm. um, for every mile oh, and no. they knew, and my friends knew they were going to be doing the ass if anyone wanted to request a certain mile. <laughs> <laughs> 24 is my so, lucky number. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah no, no, so, no. so I would try and I would remember, and I would think about them and I would just kind of think about, you know, our friendship and maybe something happy just to kind mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, give me a little boost um, yeah, in a, a non-running direction. Yeah. I have a, um, a friend, Megan, who, um, lives, uh, uh, just North of here. And she ran, I think it was the Missoula marathon. And she did that. She had one for, you know, every mile was dedicated to someone. So, um, I've definitely heard of other people doing that. That works. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I think that's a neat, neat way. And, and it's especially, I think, uh, useful for, cause there's two, two different types of runners. There's the runners that really like to jump into and embrace the pain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the typical mantras and affirmations are going to come in really handy for those people. But then there's also the people that want it or need to disconnect for a little while. Mm-hmm. So during my hundred K I had to disconnect for a little while here and there, <laughs> you know, kind of forget that I was out there doing this. Mm-hmm. So thinking about a friend or, you know, uh, was, was a way to kind of, um, uh, avert my attention for a little bit. Yeah. I've done that. I, um, uh, sometimes try thinking about my kids during a race and, um, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but my daughter, Daphne, who's my younger daughter, she just, she really comes to me in my mind during races Aww. and she's a very strong, muscular, um, child and um i really um really um covet her butt i would wish to have such <laughs> such awesome glute muscles and you uh, probably did but how old is she yeah she's um nine um, well you probably had her butt when you, when you were nine <laughs> i don't know she's, she's it's awesome so um so uh so sometimes i just really focus a lot on i visualize her face i mm. think about what she looks like running out on the soccer pitch and then sometimes i just think daphne 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 Mm, and that's nice yeah and it was so funny because you know and she's the um one kid of mine who has on occasion run with me and um so i thought she'd get i forget what race i came home from i think maybe it was uh, when i did vancouver marathon um a year ago may i was like daphne i totally thought of you during the race she's like oh uh uh-huh 
<laughs> like, wow, wasn't Great. wasn't Great. quite the bonding moment I was expecting. <laughs> I thought about you the whole time. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, did you bring me something from Canada, Mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh good luck to you, Nancy, um, in the New York City Marathon. Hi, my name's Kirsten. I'm calling from Hobbs, New Mexico. My race is going to be the Duke City Marathon on October nineteenth. I'm training for the marathon, and my goal has been to run it in under four hours. My training has gone really well, and I'm hitting my time goals. But I recently found out that I could qualify for Boston if I could run it in 3.55. Now that thought is just stuck in my head. Can I drop five minutes off? Is it stupid to even consider trying? Thanks. I hope you can answer my question. Well, I chose this question because we got a similar one from Jill in Michigan, who's looking to cut eight minutes off her marathon time to break four hours. So, you know, like when you're sitting in traffic or when you're, you know, I don't know, cooking dinner, you know, five minutes, eight minutes isn't a long time. But when you're running a race... I, maybe it's just me, but that's, you know, no, that. No, and, and I actually did a little math with that. Uh-huh. Um, oh, good. Because I, I had gotten that question and, you know, five to eight minutes, like, like you just said, doesn't sound like a lot of time, but you know, you got to think it's going to equal probably about half a mile, give or take, depending on your pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be 11 to 12 seconds to 18 to 19 seconds faster, seconds faster per mile mm. pace. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Yes. Um, over, especially over a marathon distance. And, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know if I heard in her question, um, how many more weeks of training she has left, mm-hmm. but you know, if she's, if she's been nailing her training and then suddenly tries to, for the last few weeks to adjust her training for this new time goal, you know, I would worry about her overtraining mm-hmm. or overreaching and then not even being able to reach her initial goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we hear all the time on our Facebook page or, you know, get emails from people who talk about, oh, you know, I was aiming for 350 and, and you know, I came in at 339 and I'm just always like, oh, my gosh, I'm so envious of you. Like, like you know, when I aim to do, you know, when I aim to break four hours, you know, I ran 359, like 42, you know. So, <laughs> so. But typically those pe- the people that have those big jumps are newer runners mm-hmm. or runners that aren't really um, – you know, they haven't, they haven't really tapped into their potential yet. Mm. Um, I, I usually find with clients that from their first marathon to their second marathon, you can see like a 30 minute improvement. Wow. Um, so I don't know if, if, if Kirsten has run any marathons before or, um, you know, how she came up with this time goal, but I would suggest to her to, to kind of stick with what's working for her now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said training was going great. She's hitting everything. If on race day, you know, uh, the last, 10k or something she's feeling fantastic maybe pick it up and and be able to shave off a minute or two Mm -hmm. um but other than that i i wouldn't do anything drastic in the middle of training Mm, that's a good point yeah i know that um so i still have yet to have a um, big conversation with my coach but she finally she has thrown out a couple numbers along the way and so i need to break four hours to uh, qualify for boston but um, so she has indicated to me that she thinks, you know, if I'm having, a, if everything aligns and I have a great day, I could run 355. And just mm-hmm. if, you know, if things hit as she expects, you know, or as, as my training has indicated, she's thinking more 357. So we're only talking a two minute difference. And, yeah. and yet, yet I'm like, wow, if I could run a 355, like, wow, that's so much time. And, yeah. you know, so, um, so, you know, that even, even my coach makes it sound like two minutes is a lot. 
too. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. D- you know, depending on the event, um, two minutes can be a whole lot. If you're running a 5K, you know, right. that's that's a huge difference. Um, yeah. But yeah, but you're right. I mean, and, and, and again, like, you know, depending on what their, their paces are, you're talking about a half a mile. So at least mm-hmm. maybe more, maybe a little bit less. But uh, so that's that's finishing quite a significant portion um, you know, uh, before you would have normally. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, especially if this is her first marathon, um, sticking with what she's got, mm-hmm. um, and the same thing with, with Jill, mm-hmm. um, you know, and she's got even a bigger chunk. Eight minutes is, is yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Cause you like, also, you learn so much from races and yes. you take away lessons from each of them so that, um, you know, so I'm thinking of Kirsten, you know, that, that, so she runs a 359 or 358, then she is so much better prepared then to run that sub 355. Right. Um, Cause I also agree. the thing about the thing about qualifying for Boston as a um, side caveat is that, you know, with, with so many more people wanting to get into it, you mm-hmm. now it, you know, it used to be, I mean, my 359 got me into Boston and yeah. um, you know, so now my coach, she and I both know that if I run like probably 358, 30 or slower, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to get in through the lottery that there's going to be right. faster people. So that that's... there was a, yeah, there was an article that just came out recently. And I think it was that most people that are getting accepted are running about two and a half minutes faster mm-hmm. than their qualifying time. Right. Right. Yeah. It sort of depends yeah. on how many people in your age group, you know, how many super fasties there are and whether they're filling up with people who oh, you know, overqualified for lack of a better term by like, you know, 20 mm-hmm. minutes or 15 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. 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 All right, well, let's go to our last question then. Hi, Sarah and Dimity. My name is Amy, and I live in beautiful Lakeville, Minnesota. I'm going to be doing my first marathon this coming Sunday, the Twin Cities Marathon. Uh, And my question is actually about what I should be doing after the marathon. Um, So it's a two-part question. First of all, what are the things other than fueling that I should do after the marathon that same day in terms of stretching? Um, Should I do an ice bath or or a warm bath? What are the things I can do to help my body recover? Um, But also in terms of the week or two after, um, I know that I should be uh, laying off of the running but what about cross training? You know, how can I start to incorporate cross training back into my routine, such as walking and swimming? Um, what should I should I take some days completely off? So I'm sort of at a loss as to what to do after the marathon is finished. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. Well, first of all, I have to say that Amy has a delightful marathon to run. I ran that in 2012, and it is just mm. spectacularly beautiful and such great crowd support. So everybody who is running the Twin Cities Marathon, um, I know you have a great event waiting for you. So, um, so I mean, I know where I land on ice baths, but um, Coach Christine, what do you think about them? Because I know that they're kind of um, controversial is not the right term, but there's some disagreement yeah. now about whether they yes. really are of value. Yeah. Um, typically for anything that's a marathon or longer, I will take at least one ice bath mm-hmm. afterwards. Um Again, you know, you're right. The the, the jury's kind of still out on whether or not how beneficial it is. But to me, it feels good. Yeah, um, <laughs> to get it in briefly, it, it doesn't it feel good, good while in you're in it. Way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. That um, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, like I feel like I'm doing something. You know, yes. I feel like I'm I'm constricting my you know my muscles back down and kind of slowing everything down and mm-hmm. taking away some of the inflammation um because i gotta, so, say, I, gotta I, say, I, I mean i find them highly beneficial in terms of how mm-hmm. i feel the next day or two days afterwards when mm-hmm. you know during training i took a couple ice baths and i hadn't taken them for a couple of years because 
as you said, you know, the, the uh, you know, the jury's kind of out or I sort of feel like the jury's leaving the room. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, but my gosh, after, again, I will re- talk about that 21 and a half miler that I took an ice bath for about. I was going to say, I think I saw a picture of yeah, that. Yeah, you did in, see. Uh, yeah. From the, from Instagram. the, yeah, right. From mid thigh <laughs> down, you did. And, uh, <laughs> um, and I will say that that's a bathtub we don't use except for me to take ice baths. That We do not just have an old fashioned bathtub that we use every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I mean, I probably sat in there for almost, I don't know, 13, 14 minutes and cause every yeah. minute counts in an ice bath. And, um, yep. but wow, I felt so good the next day and the day after that compared to how beat up I have felt after some long runs where I wussed out and didn't do an ice bath. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like them too. And, and I guess the bottom line is, is if you feel like you're getting some benefit from it, then if nothing else, if it's a, you know, placebo effect, so what, if you're yeah. feeling better, then you're feeling better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, and, and she, she had brought up, you know, what do you do right away? And, and typically what I'll do right, right when I cross the finish line is grab some sort of nutrition, um, mm-hmm. chocolate milk, something like that. Mm-hmm. Then I'll do a little bit of light stretching and oh. then I'll hop onto the ice bath. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you know, and it's important too afterwards, because a lot of people they'll, you know, kind of crash after the marathon and that's why you have that marathon hobble the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you pretty much are always going to have some of that. You're going to be sore naturally, but get up and walk around a little bit before you hit the hay for the evening, you know, mm-hmm. um, try to, try to walk around a little bit. And then the next few days, um, you know, in addition to you continuing to eat well and hydrate well, mm-hmm. um, just constantly keep in mind that, you know, for a a month, your body is still going to be recovering from, from the damage. And, uh, what I find a lot of times is about two weeks after people start to feel good again Mm -hmm. and they start bumping up their training a little bit too soon. Mm. Um, and that can, you know, could potentially lead to, uh, being injured or, Mm. um, delaying your, your recovery. Um, so how many, how many days completely off of exercise do you recommend after a marathon? You know, I, a long, uh, years and years ago, I would recommend about almost uh, like four or five days off, but now I don't do that anymore because now the active recovery has been shown to actually be, be better than, than, you know, sitting on your butt and doing nothing. Uh-huh. So the next day you can get out there and start walking around, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, uh-huh. but just a nice stroll for a mile or two, uh-huh. um, just to kind of get the blood flowing. Or if you have a, a, a stationary bike or something, just getting on spinning really, really easy just kind of getting the blood flowing. Um, and then, you know, the days two, three, and four, you can, um, start doing some, maybe a little bit heavier cross training again, nothing crazy, nothing that induces any kind of pain or aggravates any of your soreness and ice too. continue to ice sore spots. If, mm. if you find that that's works for you, um, you know, if you have a sore, whatever calf muscle or whatever, keep, keep icing that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually about day four or five, if you're feeling all right, you can go for a little, I don't use the word jog very often, <laughs> but just, <laughs> just to emphasize how slow this is supposed to be, uh-huh. it's just go for a jog for 30 or 45 minutes, um, and feel it out. I, I always say the first two or three runs post-marathon are kind of, um, uh, you're, you're, you're seeing where your body's at in the mm. recovery process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a week out, you know, after when you've had a full week off, I typically go out for about an hour run mm-hmm. again, super easy, feel it out. If you feel like everything's hunky dory, mm-hmm. then you can start into a sort of reverse taper. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually even kind of look at your taper and, and kind of repeat it backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that you build back up slowly Mm -hmm. and give yourself that time, um, to, to make sure you're fully recovered. So hunky dory, that's an official coaching term. Is that? (laughs) (laughs) It is for me. (laughs) I know every once in a while I pull out these. (laughs) Oh, look, she just, my my South comes out (laughs) from North Carolina. (laughs) There we go. All righty. The truth comes out. (laughs) All right. Well, it's been awesome to have you on the show, Christine. And as I said, people can find you at the runningcoach.com. You're also a part of our challenges that we have and that we're going to be having more of in 2015. So, um, you know, so we are uh, glad to have you as part of the AMR family. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Great. And so uh, look for Another Mother Runner on Facebook at Run Like a Mother, the book. Our websites are anothermotherrunner.com and motherrunnerstore.com on Twitter and Instagram. We're at the mother runner. Um, Christine, remind us what you are on social media. Um, what am I on social media? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Let's see. I guess I'm the running coach. Instagram. I'm the running coach. Okay. And Facebook. I'm my name, Christine Hinton. Okay. Good. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Good. Just thought I should put it, you know, should be inclusive, be inclusive. And um, no matter whether you're tapering, racing, or leaving us a voicemail on 470 Badass One, many happy miles to you. Mm-hmm.